As a real estate agent, you know that the industry can be tough to navigate with constant challenges and obstacles to overcome. That's why we created the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where top performing agents share their insights and strategies for success. Join us as we dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly of growing a thriving real estate business. Your host, Lindsay Pavaza, will be your guide on this journey. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from the best in the business. Welcome back to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Favaza, and today's episode promises to be incredibly insightful and truly inspiring. I'm sitting down with none other than Kurt Shewell, Vice President of Mark Z Real Estate Experts with EXP Realty in Novi, Michigan. Did I say Novi, Michigan, correct? Novi, 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 whatever. <laughs> Kurt's journey into real estate is nothing short of a miracle. Starting from a heart-wrenching personal crisis, he found his way into real estate and has since led his team to generate over $1 billion in sales. His incredible story of resilience, adaptability, and his undying passion for helping others sets him apart in this industry. Whether you're a new agent or a seasoned vet, you're going to want to hear how Kurt has masterfully scaled his operations, crafted a high-energy team culture, and consistently stays ahead in an ever-changing market. So without further ado, grab your notebooks, unless you're driving, and let's turn our attention to Kurt. Welcome to the podcast today, Kurt. Lindsay, thanks so much. I am super excited to be here. I mean, Crush It in Real Estate's one of my favorite uh favorite pieces of real estate when we're looking for people that we follow, people that we really learn from. I mean, you guys have been just such a huge resource and you know, Anthony, uh, what he's built and done is, uh, you know, second to none. I mean, it's great stuff. And, you know, it, it's neat when you start to realize um, how small this real estate world is, the, the higher up the food chain you get, it's, it's kind of neat. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in Puerto Rico at a mastermind and what happens? I run into all you guys who were in Puerto Rico at the exact same resort on the exact same week doing your retreat. And what a neat thing to, you know, commingle with you guys. It is and a small world. It was really neat. You know, Such I got to hang out. You know, I know that was so guys. fun. I, I remember neat. hearing about that. I don't think I was like in the room when they ran into you, but afterwards I was like, oh man, because I knew that, you know, we've had chats ever since. So, all right. Yeah. So why don't you... Take us back to the beginning, share that inspiring story, how you got into real estate, what inspired you to get into real estate, and then also kind of how you ended up with Mark Z and his team. Okay. Um, the Not to really make this a long story, make it as short as possible. Um, I, I, was, I was in you know, corporate America. I worked for Honeywell and I had a, I had five kids. So uh, I'm good at some things, right? Wow. Parenting. Yeah. Parenting. And um, <laughs> Some might say I'm not, but you know, we, we go with it, right? Um, so uh, my, my boy, boy, girl, 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 my oldest uh, daughter got sick. She had six eggs, she had cancer and um, it changes things, right? So uh, we go into crisis mode. We go into, you know, figure it out, try, you know, try to figure that out mode. And, and it takes you to a whole different path. It changes your perception of life. It changes your perception of reality because it's never your kid who gets sick. It's never, you know, that does that happens on TV. It doesn't happen for real, right? So when that happens, you know, you, you really, um, you know, you look inward and you really find a, a lot about yourself. And I think um, I, I always thought I was a pretty good person, but uh, I found that I needed a lot of a lot of help, and I needed to really understand people better than I ever did. And we went through that journey. And what happened was I had to you know leave 
leave of absence from my job. And then eventually I had to resign because we really were in a worse situation and we had to try to find some miracle cure. Um, when you go down that path, you really put things in perspective of what's important to you. So it wasn't hard for me to figure out what was important. So I was focused there. Uh, the problem is you no longer have an income. And when you don't have an income, you're, you're in a bad spot. How do you focus so, if you don't have money? <laughs> yeah. So I needed, you know, I wasn't really looking for freedom. I was looking for flexibility and I needed the ability to work, but not do that. So I, I actually, you know, asked and I prayed on it and I need a miracle job. And what ended up happening is this guy shows up at my house and he was trying to, he was from a charity and he was trying to help us out. And I'm like, you know, I appreciate it. You know, but what I really need, I don't need, I don't need you to pay a bill. I need, I need a job and I need a miracle job. And I said, I need something I could sell. I could always sell. I knew how to sell. Um, and I needed to be a big ticket item with a big commission. And, and I really needed it to be something like that. So um, I needed to be able to come and go as I please. I needed to get a phone call that says, hey, you're heading down to St. Jude or you're, you know, you're flying all over the country trying to find, you know, whatever. I need to be able to do that and be gone for weeks on end and have my job waiting for me. I said, you find me that job. I'm your guy. You know, I need a miracle job. And the next day I get a phone call from his son, who was the vice president of sales of Pulte Homes. That's what got me into real estate. And I started the next day. Um, so it was amazing and it was great. We lived in a Pulte home, so we had kind of had that Pulte experience, you know, scenario and it was really a great fit. And I never had real estate on my radar at all. You know, it was never a, a, a path for myself that I saw, but, um, I think the greatest parts in life are the things that you just have to keep your eyes open and see Absolutely. when they come to you. Yep. And I think most of us, uh, get complacent in where we're at. We get, um, routine. So we take things for granted that they just are. I did the same. I was no different than anybody else. And what happens is you start to see things. And when you get clarity and vision, a lot of things open up to you. And, and I think that was the thing that changed everything for me and for my family. So I was able to get into real estate at that point because I needed that flexibility, which turned out to be the greatest move uh, career-wise of my life. And I've sold everything from, you know, shoes to, you know, to garbage cans to, you know, machine safeguarding to electronics. I mean, you all kinds of crazy sell stuff. a ketchup popsicle to an Eskimo. Yeah, Isn't that the phrase? And I learned all that back in the appliance days when I was selling appliances, <laughs> you know, probably the best learning experience of my life, you know, back in those days. But yeah, so it became uh, really natural to me. Real estate came easy. Um, and I know it sounds bad to say, but it, it came real easy. And I had necessity too, right? Um, I needed I needed a solution. So necessity is mother of all invention. And I invented myself again as as a real estate guy. And then I became pretty good at it. And then the market crashed. And I went through that period, which changed everything. And that's when I learned the bigger the problem you solve, the more money you'll make. And you got to start solving people's problems. So it really helped me. Not that I didn't put people first, but I think some people that know me would argue, you know, you put yourself first always, you know, and there's, there's, you know, there's books on that, right? You know, you gotta, you gotta, the king's gotta eat first in order to have a kingdom and you've gotta be able to do that for people. Um, but what it did was it really got me to really understand how I could help more people that were really in need. And the more I could help people, I became very driven by that. And I attribute all of it to my daughter and to our, our situation. And it made me a lot better person than I'd ever been. You know, here we are, you know, all these years later and I've been in real estate, you know, almost 20 years. And it's like, wow, wow, that's just the craziest thing. And it's been such a great fit for me because if you really stay focused on people, everything falls apart. The money follows. Don't do the money thing. Right. Yeah. I did. I chased money. I always chased money. I chased the job that paid me the most money. And that's why I sold so many different things, because whatever paid me more, I'm there. 
this was where the most money is, but the money's the secondary piece. It comes, the money's already there. Focus on the people, focus on helping. Stop selling, start helping. And once you can really get that digested, it will change who you are. It'll change how you, how you present. It'll change, you know, how you show up. And I show up differently today than I ever did before. Yeah. Amazing. So talk to me about tactics marketing tactics. So you train your team, you discuss with them what things that they should be doing um, day to day with buyers and sellers, but what kind of tactics do you teach them to market themselves? Because I think one of the things that agents are really struggling with right now is getting their name out there, making sure that they you know, are heard, having top of mind awareness. So what is it that you teach your agents to do? Okay. Uh, first things first, uh, don't lie. Don't lie. I know it sounds harsh when you say that people are like, whoa, I don't lie. Well, we all do to a point. And, and what I mean is it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like, let me give you an example. I, I do this in classes of, of agents and I'll say, raise your hand as high as you can. I mean, put it up there as high as you can. And they're up there reaching, reaching, reaching. And I'll say, okay, everybody go just a little higher. And everyone in the room goes a little higher. And I'm like, why did you tell me you went as high as you could when you lied? Because you didn't. When I said go higher, you did. So were you lying though? Well, it's, you know, you know what I'm saying? So you didn't tell the truth, but it wasn't like a lie. And you tell your clients, I'm going to give you all of this, but then you don't. But then you give them this. You can't give them the more. <laughs> yeah. So promise them what you can deliver on. You know, be strategic in what you say, because it's important. You know, mean what you say, say what you mean. And if you don't mean what you say, when you say it, your client's going to sniff through that quickly. I get agents to tell me all the time, Kurt, my client's ghosting me. I beg to differ. They're not ghosting you. You're ghosting them. Your follow-up game sucks. You're not, you're not doing what you told them you would do. Because if you were, you set that upfront contract, verbal contract with them upfront that I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. And here's what I expect from you. Most agents never give the client what you expect from them. You only tell them what they're going to expect from you. Mm -hmm. And then you deliver on some of it, part of it, most of it, because the top agents do exactly what they said they would do. Doesn't mean it fits for everybody. And you have to be okay to say no. Yep. No is your friend. Yep. I teach a class on no. No is your friend. You got to set parameters. But I believe if you really um, are telling the truth, you're going to tell your client, here's what you can expect from me. Here's what I'll expect from you. And I promise to deliver on these things. And if you set a schedule that way and you tell your client, I'm not 24 seven, you'll be surprised at how much your client will respect it because yep. they're not 24 seven. No, either. they don't want to be 24 seven. And agents say it all the time. I go, why are you lying to your clients? When I say don't lie, this for, I'm 24 seven. No, you're not. You are sleeping at some point. Well, yeah, Kurt, if they call, I'll wake up and answer the phone. Well, that's not okay? smart. <laughs> and if you do, you're failing your client. What are you doing? They don't need you at 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. They're not calling you to get them out of jail. You're their agent, right? <laughs> you're not their attorney, you're their friend. I hope you're not. Their, and that's another thing I tell agents constantly too, is stop trying to be your friend to your client. You're not their friend. Even if you know them, even if you're friends with them, you're not their friend, you're their agent. Act job. like it. Yep. respect you more, your value goes up, they'll work with you as their agent. Friends dump friends constantly and do this all the time. And well, my friend, you said I was gonna sell your house. Yeah, but this other agent showed up and they had this buyer and I just said, okay, and then they listed it and they sold it and oh my God. And well, I thought you'd be happy for me. And they actually expect you to be happy that they didn't you're you. only their friend. <laughs> right, you're my friend, why would you be upset? And I see relationships, family members, Every family's got two, three, four, five realtors. They're people with real estate licenses in their family. Well, I can't use you because Aunt Susie's going to be pissed off. Well, really? Aunt Susie sold four homes in the last 20 years. I don't think Aunt Susie really sells homes. She kind of has a license and says it. She hasn't sold a house in three years. Mm -hmm. I can help you. This is what I do for a living. Yep. Well, they, 
you know, well, yeah, but if I do that, she's going to be mad. Then I can't go to Thanksgiving dinner. This stuff happens. So you have to be upfront with people and don't lie. Yep. Right. I love Tell that. them the truth. Hey, I, I think that. I can help you. Here's why. Here's my value prop to you. Basically, don't say those words, but give them what your value is. and You'll find people will resonate to you. I want to help the people that are looking for me so I can look for them. I want to find my avatar. I attract who I am. I love that. I don't attract the people who aren't like me because they're not going to fit with me very well. So in that realm, right, because you mentioned that before and now you just mentioned that again. You like to have, you know, this group of people surrounding you that are like, you know, similar interests, similar drive, all of that. How do you find those people for your team? And how do you, you know, cultivate that relationship of collaboration and making sure that that culture stays healthy? Yeah, I think it's extremely important. Two things. One, you have to understand what your values are. People can argue this. Well, I know my values are here. Okay. Maybe they are. But what you show up as is this, you don't show up as this, mm -hmm. right? You show up as this, it's different than this. So understand two things. And we talk disc profiles and things like that. And people get hung up on that stuff. Some people love them. Some people hate it. Some people, that's a hocus pocus. Well, you don't need it for everybody. What you need it for is for yourself. Who you think you are versus who you show up as are two different people. And you need to recognize that. And I'm a huge proponent of, you know, self analytics. I have to analyze myself constantly. My wife tells me constantly, right? But the, you know, accountability is the, the biggest form of love you can give somebody because you care about them. And I, one of my sons, you know, used to say to me all the time, he goes, how come you tell me stuff that I do wrong every day? I said, cause I'm the only one telling you the truth. Because if I don't tell you what you're doing wrong, other people aren't going to, and you're going to fail and you're not going to know why. Yep. I'm here to tell you what you're doing wrong. I'll also, yeah, I'll pat you on the head and tell you you're doing right, but you have to make sure you're doing more right things every day than wrong things. So you're going to attract the people who are like you. This is how you do this. So when I'm building my teams, building that culture, you're building it based on two things. One, on your values. What do I actually value and how do I show up? Do I show those values? Because that's what people are going to see. So am I true to that? Again, got to be true to that. And I probably younger years in sales, I wasn't true to that. Mm -hmm. My values are one thing, but I would compromise those to make a sale. Yeah. I would do what I had to do to get a client. Well, you're not being true to yourself. So you're certainly not being true to them. Yeah. And it took me a long time to learn that. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I was very salesy young on in my sales career and I became much better at it as I grew and got experience yep. and also had the right people telling me I was doing it wrong. Yeah. I watched the people having the most success. And when I started emulating them and surrounding myself with them, I put off that. Well, guess what? I attracted more people like that. Therefore, there were more people like me. I surround myself with a lot of people that are a lot like me. I also surround myself with the opposites. Opposites attract. Mm -hmm. So my wife is the best to critique me because she's the opposite of me. Yeah. Right. She's a wonderful person. Me, I have to work at it. Right. She's naturally wonderful. So I get her to critique me and she's my biggest critic, but my biggest fan. Yeah. Right. So it's coming from a place of love, not a place of Always you hold accountable to me. You said this, mean what you say. She says it to me all the time. Did you mean what you said? And you're like, oh shit. Yeah. yeah Called yeah, out. I have to, I have to do it, right? <laughs> Did you say, oh no. And when you say, oh no, you're in trouble. Like, oh shoot. Okay. So that's probably one of the best attributes I have is I have a great, great other half, right? Yeah. My wife holds me accountable. So it makes me very honest. And, you know, sometimes we fall into these traps. Well, what are your core values? Are you living them? Are you are you actually living and, and are you per, portraying yourself the same way as who you say you are? Yep. Are you actually that person? And the better I became at that, the easier it was to attract all those right people. The people you have to be able to say no. The people who are not that, 
that are trying to get into that. And you're like, we're just not a fit. It's okay to say, no, we're not a fit. Not everybody's a fit for you. Yeah. And I think that's where most agents mess up. They think every client's a great fit. They're not. Yeah. They're not. They're going to make your life miserable. You're going to hate your job. You're going to hate your client. You're going to hate working. You're going to hate doing it. And it's going to be a bad experience. Make sure that you're, if you generate, you don't have to tolerate. So generate more, more business by putting yourself out there more, attracting the people like you so you can help them and it'll be an easy transition and the experience will be great on both sides. I love That's that. What so Sherry is your wife, correct? Yes. So Sherry and you love to travel. How are you able to balance travel, balance life, balance the kids, five kids, crazy. And on top of that, still keep your sales. Like what advice do you have to like be able to enjoy life, but also have money and work hard and be successful? Where, how do you strike that work-life balance or what advice do you have to strike that work-life balance? Okay. A couple of things there. Um, just like you make an upfront contract with your client. I made an upfront contract with my wife. We had a conversation and we were laying it out. Okay. If this is who we're going to be and we're going to be this, and this is at the beginning of our relationship, it was, okay, give me three things that are the deal breakers for you. Tell me what you need and tell me what breaks the deal. And I'll tell you my three. And we did this. And today, you know, 20 some years later, we still hold to those and we remind each other of that. And, I said, okay, I won't do that, that, and that. These are the three things you need. You got it. I'll do those without doing that. No problem. And then I said, here's mine. And she said, no problem. I'll take care of those. No problem. And we won't have any problems. doesn't mean we don't fight. doesn't mean we don't argue. doesn't mean we don't have disagreements on a ton of stuff. Especially when you got kids. You're going to have a ton of disagreements, oh, yeah. right? It happens all the time. Well, what, what she said to me was, here's my deal. You take care of me. I'll take care of everything else. Mm -hmm. I said, okay then let's define what taking care of you means. I need to provide, I need to give you a sense of security. I need to give you, you know, I have to be honest and true to you. You have to be able to never question what I do. doesn't mean she doesn't question it. She never has to question my integrity to yeah. it, yeah. right? Well, the trust has to be there. You have to see it, you know, and, and you come from other places. So when you get together, you know, you're trying to show each other your best sides, but they need to see your worst side too. And that was where we really were good at exposing to each other there. So the foundation was set. I won't do that. And I, you won't do this. And we're going to get along great. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, we're going to have a lot more success. So we can work through anything. And I always said, if we disagree on something, would I divorce you for that? And as silly as that sounds, because you've been making that face like, that's yeah, stupid. No, of course and not. it should be. And it should be. It really should be stupid. My scream is dying on me. But, but for the three things that you told her are your things, then that's yes. where we get a little shaky. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Yeah. So when I said, I'll take care of you, that means I have to work hard, right? I promise to provide for you and give you these three senses of securities that you really need. I'll do that because I know I can do that. So I focused on that. She took said, I'll take care of everything else. I said, okay, then if you take these things off my plate where I really don't have to worry about these things, these things are the time consuming things for me, but become natural to her. God, is it a great fit? It's a great So we stay out of each other's lanes. Yep. Right. Yep. And I trample into hers all the time and she pushes me right back out. I'm on. sure. Uh, hey, 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 this is my, I'm like, you know what? You're right. And it has been the most beautiful, wonderful thing I could have asked for. Yep. And she reminds me to stay in my damn lane. Yeah. But what she says is, hey, you said you'd work. You said you'd provide me done this. All right, we have this. 
why are you doing this? And it's like, okay, my goal was here. I've hit this one. But what happens is when you hit your goals, I'm pushing the next, I'm pushing the goal pushes out with it because this comes with that. So the goal, I don't know that I've ever really hit the goal. I hit the steps of the goal that I wanted because as you grow, more things happen and your goal actually starts to look different. It doesn't change. It just looks different. So you start kind of doing other things. Financially, you become very secure. Uh, emotionally, you become more secure. The relationship becomes more solid because you're counting, relying and on that other person. My wife, you know, is in, she, she handles, you know, a lot of my business because she needed to be part of it to understand it. Mm -hmm. So we call it living with a monster, right? So I have this just undying, you know, energy and I have to keep pushing and keep going and pushing it higher. And, you know, you work with Anthony, you know, and I work yeah. with Mark and these are people and I work with a lot of great people yeah. that have this way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Well, I have it too. Yeah. They just taught me how to really, really accentuate within it, you know, and how to really push that envelope and really explode. And my wife's, you know, oh, that's scary to me. What are you doing? I'm like, oh, you can't have scary. That was my promise, right? Okay. Then let me explain it to you. And bringing her more involved into certain pieces gave her clarity, even though she doesn't know how to do what I do, nor does she ever want to do what no. I do. And I don't want her to. And I tell her all the time, I don't want to be married to me. I'm going to be married to you. Yeah, right? exactly. Please don't become me. You know, <laughs> stay you. I, I want, I want to be married to you. And it gives us a really great balance yeah. because she understands when it is taking too much, but she's quick to tell me, ah, 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 you're going no, -uh, too far. Hey, work, put it, put it on the shelf. Mom. So she so really sweet. is the one that helps you to strike that balance because 100%. you'll push 100%. the envelope, but she'll Always. be like, Hey, I'm not getting enough from you or you're taking it too far. And then yep. you're able to kind of rein it back in. Yeah. She looks at my schedule. My, my home computer is always open and always on. And my calendar, my schedule for the day is in it. And one of the best things I ever did to balance things was, you know, look at, okay, if we got to the level you're at, and maybe this is a question you may have as we go. Um, at some point, how do you get that balance better? Well, I had to take the busy work off my plate. Yeah, My busy work in my business means I had to hire somebody to do it. So you can do it or you hire somebody to do it. And a really smart person once told me, divide by 2080, if you work 40 hours a week for 52 weeks a year and you divide it out, you got 180 hours of, of 2080 hours a year that you're actually working. So how much did you make divided by 2080? That's what you made per hour. Are you putting out lock boxes, Kurt? Like that's ten dollar an hour work. That is not you if you're supposed to be making you're lowering apps. that hourly. Why rate. are you doing this work? You're hurting yourself. Yep. Pay somebody to do that. And then pay somebody to manage your schedule. Pay somebody to help manage and sift through, you know, I get I get somewhere around 280 emails a day. So if you're getting that many in a day, you need somebody to sift through the, all the junk that's in it and then put the rest of them in a folder so you can see them. Yep. It makes me so much more efficient. It saves me so much time. I can focus on the things that I need to, and my assistant literally schedules in my calendar and blocks it, and she'll put right in there, cherry time. And it's like, oh, I gotta spend time with my She'll put in there, you know, my kids, you know, Sydney or Jamie or whatever. She'll put my kids' names in them. Boom, you're supposed to be here, you're supposed to be there. You gotta take care of it. Call your, call your kid this one, call that one, call this one for that, make sure you're doing that. And literally schedules it out to where it forces me to stop doing the work work because I'm working, but it's I'm working on my family, I'm working on my kids, I'm working on my relationships, working about my, my friendships, I'm working on all of that stuff, but it's scheduled out. So I stop doing it 
and that's why my wife says you never stop. I don't. I don't know how to stop. I just shift it where my attention goes yep. and I can be more present. Yep. Absolutely. Being present is the key to the whole thing. And I used to you go through the stages. I was there, but I wasn't present. And my wife let me know how I was feeling in that. Yeah. And then I became better at it. That so now awesome. I now I show up a lot better and more present. I love it. That's amazing. So why don't you share with us a moment in your career that you are particularly proud of? So something that you accomplished either with your sales, you know, early on when it was just you or with your team and growing your team or bringing people onto the team, like what, what is the most, you know, rewarding of all the things that you've accomplished? Okay. Um, it's probably two things. That's okay. They were both really important, one yep. at the time and then one now. So I'll give you the two. Um, I started when the market crashed. Uh, I had worked at Pulte back then, and there was a huge problem. You had builders going out of business because they couldn't sell anybody houses because nobody could sell their house, right? Mm -hmm. The values were down. People owed more than their house was worth. Even if you were paying on time and your credit was good, you were great. The problem is your value went down. Last time that happened was 100 years ago happened in the 1920s, right? Yep. So if you really look at that and you're like, okay, this is a hundred year cyclical thing that seems to take place. Okay, so what happened was you had to come up with a solution for that. So builders are going out of business. Wasn't my problem, except for I worked for a builder. So it became my problem. Well, now you've got people who are stuck, who have growing families, they're still having kids. Uh, people are getting divorced. They can't sell their house. What do they do? can't co cohabitate anymore. And there's all these different things happening. So all, there's a lot of reasons for people needing to move. You, you know, you, you have a condo and, you know, you got a two bedroom condo and you got married and you had your first kid and that's really cute and it's beautiful and wonderful. And uh oh, we're pregnant having a second kid, but yet, uh oh, guess what? We can't no sell our condo. Yeah. Now what do we do? And you got a boy and a girl, what do you do? Share a room? You know, you got a two bedroom condo, what are you gonna do? So you need to move, they're stuck. So you start realizing, oh my God, these people. Then you've got this huge contingent of people who still have jobs, still doing well. The problem was they maxed out. They had a $1,500 a month payment, let's say, and now their payment's $2,400, but they can't afford it. So now they're losing their house. So you had this huge problem back when the crisis happened, right? In the housing market, the banking crash and all this. So one of my most proud moments, there was a guy that I worked with. He was a younger, I was 40. He was, you know, 20 something. And he said, you know, what if we what if we rented these people's houses and then let them move and we sold the houses with the builders? Would that help the builders? And that would help these people that are stuck. And I thought about it and we really played with that idea. And we came up with this company called Marketplace Homes. And we started this, me and another guy. Um, and we hired a girl who was our, you know, girl to answer the phone. Our, our, we called her our, our assistant, but she was everything. You know, she answered the phones and she did everything for us. Well, so we just started that way. And what we found is I could find a solution for all these people's problem. I helped the people that were losing their homes, keep their dignity, keep their self-respect. Yes, yeah. they lost their home, but they could afford a $1,500 payment. These people have a $1,500 payment who need a bigger house. The problem is they can't move because they can't sell it. So I solved the problem of these people keep losing their dignity and saying, look, it just move to this new house. It's same price you could afford to pay. You're fine. I'll move you in there. These aren't historic renters. These are homeowners. Put them in there made that made a solution for them because I put them in as a lease option. So now it's a house they're buying, right? They're treating it like their home. They're not renters. These are homeowners, right? So I've got a place for them to land and keep their families intact. Cause these people can't move three kids into an apartment, right? They need to be in, in a house. So I was able to do that because their credit's in trouble. So people aren't even going to rent to them. So I put them in there. And then in return took these people and they went ahead and moved into their new home 
by without selling their, their home because they they were fine on their mortgage, they were fine on their incomes, they didn't have, they didn't live beyond their means, yeah. so they were good with both. We paid them their rent by getting it from these other people. We just did a pass through, so they were taken care of. They didn't have to manage it or be you know landlords. We took care of that, and then when they bought, we made them buy with our builders. So we kept builders alive. They were literally going bankrupt. We kept them in the business. We solved a lot of people's problems. Yep. And yes, we did really well. And we sold a ton of homes, 4,000 homes in less than four years during that time. Real proud of that. I think we built something that was really special because we did it the right way for the right reasons to help all the right people. And we did. And we, you know, we were compensated very well for that. We made a lot of money during that time. That. And we did something that was really great. And I felt really good. I, I went to bed at night going, man, I just helped one, two, three, yeah. four people in this. Holy smokes. And they were loving you and they were thanking you. People were crying, thanking you. That me. goes back like, to what you said in the beginning. It's not about the money. It's about helping. Yeah. Yeah. And we helped so many at one. Yeah. Each transaction was helping so many people. And the relationships you got from that were insane. It was so wonderful. And then what it did was it made me think a lot bigger than I'd ever thought before. And it made yeah. me see things more. And I knew how to scale. And then I realized, oh. I'm actually pretty good at the scaling thing. I know how to do that, right? And my wife used to say all the time, you've helped so many people build their businesses, you know, why aren't you building it for yourself? And that was the first time I got to build something really for myself. Yeah. And it was like, I'm helping others and yet I'm doing better for myself than I've ever done. Mm. So that was a really, you know, proud moment time of my career. And then because of that, it allowed me to sift through to figure out my next phase. Meeting Mark Z during that period of time, Mark became my next business partner um, I, I started a brokerage. I did that with a builder, one of the builders I was selling our homes for. And one of my best friends, we built a brokerage together and we did that. I just, it, there's just not a ton of money in that. It's really difficult to do, as you know, that is different. You have to do it differently today than you ever did it back then, which is why most of these, you know, boutiques, they're not making a lot of money. These broker owners, the franchisee, my God, that's almost the worst proposition you can have. So when you have these franchises, as you guys know, and you morphed from that, is because it's it's just there's just not any money in that, so it's very difficult to have the traditional brick and mortar style. You know, it's just hard. So you've got to give people the breath to be able to do it in a bigger scale. So what I realized I could do that. So I met Mark during those periods. Well, it took us eight years to figure out how to work together. The EXP thing, because it was a cloud-based platform, allowed us to work together, and I didn't have to work for him. He didn't have to work for me because yep. I tried to get him to buy a franchise from me, you know, and he tried to get me to, you know, hey, come and, you know, I'll pay you to run my team, you know. I'm like, how do we do this together and figure it out? And that gave us the ability to do that. So my second piece of, you know, proudness would be being able to do that because Mark had a 15-person team at Keller Williams, and I knew how to scale, and I knew how to build it. And if you really pour into the people and you start – creating the environment to get the people that you really want, they'll, they'll, they'll come to you. You guys have done an amazing job of it too, right? Mm -hmm. And this is what's so cool. I can learn from other people already doing it. So I know I'm doing it right. And I can get better and tweak. It's R and D. It's not research and development because that takes forever. It's painful and you lose money. Yeah. It's rip off and duplicate, yeah. right? So, so <laughs> I like that. Rip it off, duplicate the same system because we can do it too, but not everybody can. And the fear is people won't show you what they're doing because they're fearful of, oh, everybody will steal my secrets. There's only a handful of people who can even do it That's like that. the thing. There's so many people that won't even be able to try. Never mind the fact that by the time you've perfected it, they now have to spend all that time to perfect it, right? It's so exactly. like they got to start from the beginning, really, even though they're getting the secrets from you. Yeah. No, you're spot on. So we were able to do that. And then we had a way to work together. I said, let me build your team out for you. Let me do that. 
So I did. So I took over running this team and I said, here, I'm going to, I'm going to be your team leader. I'm going to run this thing out. And I took him from 15 agents to 128 agents and we scaled it pretty good. Now his team is this giant machine. We do over a thousand transactions a year. Yeah. You know, we're the biggest game in town in, in Metro Detroit. So we do that. And he's a marketing freak. I mean, he's a genius in marketing. That's what he does. And I'm like, market it like crazy. You know, that's why him and Anthony get along, right? Yeah. They're marketing minded guys. That's how they think. Yep. They're just, they bleed that. So what they need people like us to say, okay, now here, I'll build it underneath you and exactly. I'll show you how to do it. So I've done that. And then I scaled it. Now we have 3000 agents nationwide, mm -hmm. which becomes huge. So you can really do that. Anthony's got in one market, he's got 500 some, I mean, that's crazy. Almost 600 freaking agents. That's insane, right? Mm -hmm. That's amazing to do it in an, in an area. I have to go across the country, but now I can scale to 3000. Yeah. So there's ways of different ways of doing it. The old, you know, more ways than one way to skin a cat. Absolutely. Right? So, so you can really learn from others doing it really well. Take a piece of that, make it work for you and then build it out. So I'm really super proud of that because doing that with these 3000 agents, I've changed more lives doing that of real estate agents lives. When I did the marketplace on things, I solved so many other people's problems. It was amazing, right? Individual clients and then builders and such. It was amazing what I could do for them. Now I'm actually changing the lives of real estate agents who really have a passion for helping people in the, our system, the way we built it. If you help somebody first, then you're compensated. But if you don't help anybody, you're not compensated. Mm -hmm. Like how cool would that be? And my, you know, my wife got me on that, you know, I end up on that episode of, you know, my story on Amazon prime, it, shameless plug comes out in a few weeks here. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm going to, they put us up for an award and I won something. I don't know what I won yet. So I'm going to Hollywood in a few weeks. Very to cool. It's pretty excited about that. But what happened was it was, it was, again, it was because of the story and the journey that goes through. Well, the thing I'm super proud of is that I've been able to help so many agents, real estate agents change their lives, you know, financially give them freedom because that's what they all get into it for. But we never get freedom. We get flexibility. Yeah. But I'm able to actually scale people's businesses to give them financial freedom. That's a game changer. And so many people want it. So if you can have it, I can actually show them how to get it. If they want it, they can have it. They've just got to follow the path, right? Kurt, this has been awesome. You have so much knowledge, so much advice, so much experience. And I just, I really want to say thank you so much. I wish... There's like four questions I wish I could have gotten to, but we're almost out of time. So I just really appreciate it. Maybe we'll have to do like a part two with Kurt, especially after you, you know, win your award and blah, blah, blah. So uh, there you go. We'll I would love to. to. Maybe I'll give you a shorter answer. It's a little quicker for you. No, just... no, you're totally fine. I like, I like the fact that you really explain it because it really, you know, some people will just answer the question and you just don't know like what was behind it, but you really are able to, you know, form that whole picture. And it was just, it was super awesome for our audience. And I know that they agree. So thank you so much for being a part of this today. I really appreciate it. If you want to follow Kurt on social, we will have everything in the show notes for you guys that are watching on YouTube. You can see it right there across the bottom of the screen or right here, here, right here. Yeah. <laughs> I always don't know where to point. Um, so definitely follow him, reach out to him. He's an awesome resource of information. So he'd be happy to share his tricks and tips with you. Um, so again, thank you so much, Kurt. I really appreciate your time today. You know what? I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. I yeah. appreciate you having me on your show. You're I love awesome. it. All right. We'll see you guys on the next episode of the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. Keep crushing it. As a real estate agent, you know that the industry can be tough to navigate with constant challenges and obstacles to overcome. That's why we created the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. 
where top-performing agents share their insights and strategies for success. Join us as we dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly of growing a thriving real estate business. Your host, Lindsay Pavaza, will be your guide on this journey. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from the best in the business.